This is Erased. I'm Colette Bauer-Zinn. And this is Lisa Johnson. Two Black moms bonded by bluntness, tenacity, and an unwavering commitment to creating communities of support. Every Thursday, we're exploring where the intersections of education, race, and culture collide, dissecting interracial issues to help you navigate and thrive, despite being marginalized. Welcome to Erased. I'm Lisa Johnson. And I'm Colette Bowers in. And we are so happy to have you back, back for episode two. Welcome back. Welcome back. Excellent. We survived our first episode. Yes. And it was a great episode. It was. Black Student Lives Matter. Featuring Janine Hancock-Jones of Harvard-Westlake. Yes. And uh, dropping bombs. bombs. So many gems. Yes. Yeah. The manifesto has been created. <laughs> um, but so Black Student Lives Matter. So during that discussion, uh, we had an interesting exchange over a comment I made, which was, is this rocket science? And I made some sort of statement around DEI work mm-hmm. being rocket science. Mm-hmm. And so we're <laughs> and back. And Colette came for me. <laughs> and so we're back. Because guess what, folks? It ain't rocket science. <laughs> it's not rocket science, but uh, human nature and the stuff we gotta make it feel like it is so challenging. Such an uphill battle. I'll even I'll even push back on that. All of that does not make diversity, equity, and inclusion work feel like such a battle. Navigating human beings and our stuff is a battle. But diversity, equity, and inclusion were correct. Not a battle. Right. And so we... So ding, 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 listeners. (laughs) Last week, it sounded like I lost that battle. (laughs) But I just want to make it very clear. I won. No, 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 no. Or wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I win. In truth, (laughs) we were saying two different things. Because I was talking about the behavioral human piece of it. And the and the reason why I stick with it just being hard because it involves people and how you show up and your lived experiences Amen. and your values and you're bringing that to the table. And especially if you're in a leadership position and you have not dealt with any of that stuff and you're making decisions that impact a school community not having dealt with any of that stuff and you've got people looking at you trying to get you to deal with that stuff, <laughs> that's when it can start to feel like how do I help this person get I to where you. I need them to be? You say we're saying different things. I say we're saying the same thing. But what I will say again is that labeling the actual diversity, equity, and inclusion work as difficult gives people an out that I am not willing to get. Navigating human emotion is mad difficult. And I will give that to anyone. But let's not put it together with the difficulty of navigating diversity, equity, and inclusion work. Because then that's people's out and I'm not having it. No outs. Um, Yes, you are right. So uh, all hail to Colette. I will concede (laughs) (laughs) because there are no outs given on this topic. (laughs) There's no No outs given. No outs. No outs. And so we're going to talk about that today. We're going to lean into that a little bit more, chat a little bit further about just how difficult realizing an equitable, equitable and inclusive community can be and the things that we've seen as common pitfalls that hinder progress, like human behavior and people who just can't 
see themselves and their experiences and the impact. Or others. Right. Um, Because we all know, again, like we have, you know, I have since given Colette her props. It is not (laughs) rocket science. I'm on the record. Not rocket science. Not rocket science. But navigating the human aspect of this can be hard. So we're going to talk about that. (laughs) And we're going to talk about the many things. So the most common things we've experienced in our respective roles and working with the schools that hinder progress um, in no particular order. Um, So let's get at it. Let's get at it. You know what, though, before we do that, I want to ask you just real quick. I want to go back to Black Student Lives Matter. Yes. And we're gearing up for um, school openings. Yes. And I am really wondering if the Black at movement on Instagram has reached a point of being almost normalized. I mean, I don't, I'm wondering how we keep the gas on the pedal. I'll tell you what, it hasn't reached the point of being normalized from my perspective, but I think that a lot of these people trying to navigate sharing their stories have hit a brick wall, unfortunately, with a lot of the institutions that they're dealing with. And that breaks my heart. Right. Right. Because you can no longer say you didn't know. Correct. And in fact, what some schools seem to be communicating is that they don't care. And we recently did had a conversation with two amazing intellectuals about this and other topics. And one of the things that Lawrence Ross said was, first, you got to establish if the school cares. Yep. Yeah. About this issue. Not every school does. Because not every school does. I think the main difficulty is that because diversity became trendy, for lack of a better word, in education, that a lot of institutions articulated that they care. Mm -hmm. They sure have diverse pictures of students, faculty, et cetera, on their admissions materials throughout their websites. Some even made it their part of their mission. Right. Some made it part of their yep. core values. Yep. yep. And, and some of you... those schools that did that are the worst offenders yeah. with the hardest hit brick walls. Yes. Yeah. That's so here we are. Yeah. So given that, and I think that's a pretty pervasive and accurate assessment of things, but given that, how do you think students are feeling returning? I feel for them. I know. I know. I feel for the kids that are old enough to read that stuff yeah to read about the responses that schools are giving or not or not <laughs> yes right yeah and having to show up in a space yep. where they have received nothing but the message that they are not valued my heart breaks yeah. for those kids i think i would be so bitter and angry i think i'd be so bitter and angry and so um just so outraged and disappointed. But that's what I'm loving about the generation of kids coming up. Yeah. They are skipping that bitter and angry part and yeah. moving right. to agency yeah. and taking back what they know to be theirs. Yeah. And that is what is inspiring to well, me. Well, yes. And now I think they're getting to the point where they realize, all right, school X, you're not responding. So we're going to move forward without you in lots of different ways. We're going to continue to have this conversation and we're going to continue to try and figure things out 
And I'm seeing that kind of as the next tier. Um, so it's just it's just unfortunate. And I, I again, so I'm, it's a stay tuned. It's a stay tuned. But I just feel like there's already so much anxiety. Right. And so now you've got kids going back to school with heightened anxiety in a way that. That's what I talk to a lot of people about in schools right now yeah. is that not only with regard to race, but issues of all kinds of diversity yeah. must be at the forefront of all these educational institutions, minds and planning as we are dealing with the current circumstances in this world, right. in this country right now. Yep. So as we're dealing with pandemic and remote learning, remote learning brings issues of diversity, equity and inclusion straight to the forefront, whether it be racial learning, socioeconomic, family structure, yep. all of that. So that would be to me like that's a that's a key thing that I have seen. You know, we're starting to get into the conversation of the things we've experienced and seen as Let's being pitfalls. The not grasping of this moment and the urgency of this moment, especially now. Like when I hear or, you know, someone shares with me that they've not heard from their school. That's inexcusable. It, but here's my, this is what I want to say. I just want to say, all schools, <laughs> public, private, charter, I don't care. If the sirens are not going off, I don't care if you escaped the Black App pages. I don't care if you think you were already doing it. If the sirens are not going off for you as this being an urgent pressing issue that is worthy of like crisis communications type response. And flip side of it being inexcusable to not hear from your school is some communications that I've seen that too. make it worse. That make it worse right. with the Black Lives Matter fist raise, we're with you. Yes. And then things like, so we're going to bring in this DEI consultant that's actually a PR person or this DEI consultant right. who is white. Right. Or this PR or, or this consultant that, you know, we've hired two or three times before to tell us the same thing and really not do anything with the information. Yeah, we were talking about that earlier. Now is the time to move away from DEI one off trainings and to move to what we were discussing, that bird's eye view yeah. where you are taking a look at curriculum, Every talking to all of the constituencies, parents, students, alumni, faculty, staff, yep. admin, all of them to understand their experiences right. and looking at your curriculum and looking at your policies yeah. and practices with help. It, yeah. Right. With someone who can guide you through that work need be. Yeah. But to do the institutional deep dive, deep dive that needs to be done. Right. It is, it is not acceptable to approach this any longer as a part of school life. It is school life for every student, not just black students, especially now. Like this, it, we are dealing with two pandemics, not just one. And so every time a school just focuses on that one main one that's health related, <laughs> which is important. And a lot of schools took the opportunity to hide behind well, that. But, and, that's where I, and that's where I'm seeing the whole black at thing kind of that's my concern around that just dying down because now that we're returning to school the messaging is rightfully so let's do this safely here are the protocols here's how this is going to work and that's that's definitely important information and that does it safely for physical health right how are you going to do it safely 
for diverse members of the population. Right. And the mental health aspect that Correct. Yes, comes with all that. So this is just our friendly cue to schools everywhere listening. You cannot not respond. <laughs> you cannot not understand that this is an urgent pressing crisis pandemic worthy of you addressing as if your school life depended on it. And in response, you must thoughtfully. Thoughtfully respond. and comprehensively. No, no quick fixes here. And, 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 you know, we've talked about this a lot. Parents don't want the quick fix. The quick fix is pretty transparent and often just hurts you. We want the acknowledgement. We want to see the genuineness. We want to help be a part of that solution. We're not expecting a quick fix. This is not a quick fix. We know that we've been knowing all of this for so long. <laughs> um, if it so, was a quick fix, our country wouldn't be in the current state that it is. This is true. Talk about that election. And see, that 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 election thing is going to be the next thing we're kind of hiding behind. Correct. Right. There will always be something else. But interestingly enough, and we're not going to get deep into politics, though, the election and what is soon to come, especially coming out of the beautiful evening we witnessed last night mm -hmm. with our first ever nominee for vice president <laughs> being of black and Indian descent. Um, as this plays out in the political arena, it is going to highlight, I guarantee you, these same issues that we are talking well, about being highlighted. Talk about in gas on the pedal. You're absolutely Correct. right. <laughs> so it can't hide behind. And 45 especially won't be able to help one. himself. And so here we are. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so these blind spots. Yeah. But wait, wait, wait. Just so really quickly, back to the grasping of the urgency, and especially now. One of the things that I'm also seeing is um, I feel like there are some some schools who are so well-meaning and are being very thoughtful and intentional. Yes. And some of that requires a lot of behind-the-scenes work that parents may not feel and see and know about, right? And so how do those schools that are, you know, doing the work with their faculty and staff and and trying to figure out the best way to implement stuff sooner rather than later, how can they make a mark in terms of helping their community understand just how important this is. Transparency, yes, and, and over-communicating, right? Correct. Um, that said, we don't always, I mean, even in over-communicating, it is really hard to get people to get messages received. Correct. Not to say you don't try, but I guess I'm wondering what are those demonstrative things schools can do that they make, sh that reinforce to their school community that we get it, and that we are doing our part. Is it donations to worthy organizations? I am not it... interested in demonstrative gestures. I am interested in schools doing the work and exhibiting that they're doing the work in the daily behaviors and interactions with these kids. But I don't think it's an either or. I don't need you to, to donate or. to Black Lives Matter. I don't. I need you to donate to the funds that are going to help you to do continued work in your institutions. Mm -hmm. I do not need a gesture. I need you to get in there. And but but a gesture done. to me kind of devalues like the genuineness of it. I'm not saying just do that to do it. I'm saying do something to keep the morale and the energy and the the awareness to the entire school community 
of the school's commitment to this area because the behind the scenes work is it takes time. And that to me is putting it into action in your community. When you are focused outward and trying to say that we are in this and willing to do the work, et cetera, as demonstrated by our commitment to external right. anything. Right. I'm so, not interested. So, for example, one of the things that I've heard some schools do, which I love, is this reading books as a community. Right. That to me is something that can definitely be going on while. That's internal, though. It is. But I, I don't care if it's internal or external. I'm just wondering what are those things that schools can do? Because I think it's important to keep the energy and the morale and the excitement and the education going on while behind the scenes. I'll tell you what uh, my youngest child's school did. They held weekly. They're still holding them. Pardon me. The weekly Zooms. Over the summer, they were run by each affinity group Mm -hmm. at the school, Mm -hmm. family affinity groups they have Mm because it's elementary. Right. And each group got to speak to how their community is faring under current times with the directive of speaking of how they also are managing navigating the Black Lives Matter movement. And when I tell you that this school community showed up for these conversations. I love that. It was amazing because it wasn't bringing in top tier experts. Mm -hmm. It was having genuine conversations and talking to internal experts, parents who have experience or not Mm -hmm. willing to say they don't have experience if they didn't, to have genuine conversation about what it is like for us, knowing where we come from culturally to navigate current circumstances. The conversation piece. I mean, that's a whole nother episode we should really (laughs) consider having. And you got to give big props to the school. Absolutely. For not needing to know the outcomes before allowing the conversations. That's a big deal for or, a school. Or, or better yet, like th- just the the savviness of understanding the need. Correct. And not falling back on the, well, it's summer. So now you got kids who didn't have that opportunity. It's summer. Right. It's summer. We can't go nowhere. Right. It's summer, however. Yes. <laughs> of all the summers for Correct. you to be able to do something. Because now is the time. And that's what I'm saying for these kind of conversations and others and whatever gestures the schools are willing to make internally. Now is the time. Yeah. We are Zooming. Yeah. We don't have to find childcare to to show up for these conversations right. yeah. or these opportunities at education yeah. or exposure. Yeah. We can have our kids sit there with us. Right, right, right. No, and, and that's what I love. Uh, I love that they did that. So they're literally. I feel like those no kids are going to go back to school so much less stressed than the other schools who've not had any kind of ongoing conversation about this. Because then I feel like you've got, especially older kids, going back into the school community just not sure. Like it's an elephant in the room. Correct. And they got to feel they got to take that with them along with everything else going back to school. I just love that they were thoughtful enough to. And there's plenty of schools doing thoughtful things out there. Yeah. Reading together. together. I love that. I can't remember telling stories, not even books, but telling stories. Right. I I, there's I don't remember which school this is, but I've heard that there's a few there are a few independent schools who during the application process, they recommend reading a few key books. Mm -hmm. And I think the expectation is once you are admitted and uh, 
select that school. The expectation is that you as an incoming family will read this book, have a conversation within the school community about this book, and it sets the tone for the culture of the school. And it's just such an opportunity to educate parents in a way that maybe they haven't experienced before. But I think mostly, again, I think it just sets the expectation of, okay, we're going into a school community who values this, who um, wants to help us grow and learn and gets that this is a, it's not just a send my child to school thing and expect the school to help my child. No, it's a family thing because the child comes home, child's learning more from you than anything else. So I just love that they're and that, you know, at that but admissions, again, it's not rocket science. And so to me, that sounds a little complex. Read this book through the process. Go through the process. Should you select us? Let me finish. Mm-hmm. Should you select us? You have had it had the tone set for you. I don't understand why through the admissions process, it's not. This is our community. Mm-hmm. These are our expectations. Mm-hmm. And should you join us from the jump, you will be expected to do X, Y, and Z well, as members of this community. I think I think it often is. Unfortunately, I think during the admissions process, families will put on their best, you know, their best mask. I think schools put on their best Absolutely. mask during the admissions process Absolutely. as well. Absolutely. So when they are saying this is what we are as a community and this is what we expect, that that's not always what they're doing right. in play. Right. But I do think just that action and that expectation of reading that book creates the opportunity for a lot of awareness. So you as a parent get to then engage with the school to really discern, okay, is this smoke and mirrors or are they genuine? Like it's just one more opportunity for you to suss it out. Right. But then you're stuck if you're sussing it out after you've accepted. So you can keep that gesture, too. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I just love the thought of it. I really love the thought of it. And I think that. But it's making it more complex than it has to be. But here's the thing. But it is complex. Given where we are, it is complex. We can't we can't ignore that. I mean, it doesn't. There are complexities. It ain't complex. Oh, my gosh. I'm sorry. <laughs> we can play the semantics game all day. <sighs> it's not complex because that's what I'm saying to you. When you get into the mindset of it is complex, then your expectations shift to accommodate the complexity. But see, I don't, I, And for me, it is not complex. And so I am not willing to accommodate the inability so to get it right, the, get it tight. The years of generational... Um, ignorance passed down from generation to generation. You don't think that creates a complex situation for schools? And for- we, But this is what we talked about in the beginning. Yes, it creates a complex situation, but the things that you can do to address the complex situation aren't rocket science. They are not. No, you're right. You're right. And yet people don't do that work. Correct. Right. And so then where, how do you motivate? So well, that's so, what we're talking about here. So what else but, but, but I just, I just want to say this, though. I do think there is something to in the admissions process because, again, like it is a song and a dance. Being able to, I just think there's so much power in setting that expectation. However, if it's reading a book or just a communication of this is what we expect, Incorporating that conversation into the admissions process, sure. I think, is is great. It's imperative. Yeah. Yep. But you just got to not make it super complex and you got to mean it. 
but I don't think, <laughs> okay. <sighs> tomato, tomato. Let's call the whole thing off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. So what else? What else are we seeing as being, um, you know, things that hinder progress? Um, blind spots, right? Blind spots. Blind spots for everyone. Everyone, everyone. involved. All members of the community. This is the other thing that I would, the, the big thing that the gift that I'm going to give to every um, non-black person, actually black people too, but we all have blind spots. Correct. And so if you are especially in a leadership position, I'm going to need you to take that into consideration at every point. I'm going to need every member from leadership all the way down to take that into consideration. Because in all fairness, as we're navigating these difficult and interesting times and hopeful, because a lot can come out of this and a lot of people are doing the work to make good things come out of this. Everyone involved needs to understand that they have blind spots. Yes. Yes. I can be the most opinionated person in the world, which I am. (laughs) But I also wait, wait, have wait, wait, to wait. say that again. You heard me. <laughs> but I also have to acknowledge that I have definite blind spots. Yeah, but you are also a much more self-aware person than the average person. And so and I said at the leadership level, more importantly, because I think a lot of people in leadership think it's not an attribute of leadership to admit or to lean into fully hear you having blind spots. And I think I mean, even just as, you know, parents, we have blind spots. We don't want to hear things about our kids. We don't want to see things about our kids. It's not a personal assessment. But it is crucial that that leadership in particular just understand, go into every situation, especially situations around race and where we are right now, with the understanding that you have serious blind spots. I will say, you you said it's not a personal assessment, but I do want to acknowledge that a lot of people in these school communities make it seem and certainly feel for leadership in schools as if it's a personal assessment. Yes. Well, absolutely. Right. And again, not self-aware. <laughs> right. Which then again, which, like I said, does not excuse our leadership from doing the work and uh, acknowledging and examining blind spots. Just trying to talk about both sides of the coin, because as they are doing that work, it's difficult. It is. And so how do you, I mean, even as parents, how do you deal with having a blind spot? How do you suddenly start seeing stuff that you have not allowed yourself to see? Man, if we could come up with that in a sentence or two, then. Tell me. No, no, no. But you and I have talked about this. I know. I'm just teasing. You have your friends who you trust. Correct. Who will give it to you straight. Correct. Lean into that. And then that would be my biggest. Well, then that then takes us to some other conversations that have come out in all of this as well. It's about who you surround yourself with. Absolutely. Especially as school leadership. Who's on your board? Yeah. Is your board chair. And who's going to check you? Correct. So that the next time you say, I don't see color. That is the job of. (laughs) I'm going to need someone to pull them aside. Your leadership team. Right. Your board chair. Yeah. Your wife, a husband, right. partner. But this is what I see happen. Instead, I see, you know, a well-meaning person say this. And you look at people in the room 
And you know, the people who really get it are thinking the same thing. Like, man, he's, you know. I don't see color as a whole different episode. It is. But just that, I'm just, that's just an example of someone who, you And know, whoever says that in 2020, I feel like that the, um. Whose responsibility is it to pull that person aside and say to them and, you know. That's what I was just about to say. I, you say that in 2020, I feel like the Showtime at the Apollo Clown needs to come out immediately. Arr! And take you off the stage with the hook. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. No, but there's a lot of still just that level of, you know, the whole, well, they mean well. That whole excuse. You're right. That's a whole other episode. It's a whole other episode. <laughs> I'm going to refocus us because we are not going down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But I just, I just want to say on the blind spot thing, I yes. do think, again, like acknowledging that we all have them. And in this point in time, it is absolutely important, especially as a leader, that you not only know that, but you identify that person who you are willing to go there with you and pull you aside. Like, who's your friend that you trust? Who is that person? Who's the coworker? Who is the other person that you work with? So that when you're sitting in a meeting and something crazy comes out of your mouth, someone pulls you aside. And it's not this whispering after the meeting and everyone's like, oh, my God. Da, da, da. Who's telling that person you sound crazy and I'm going to need you to understand this a little better. So find that person. Identify that person. They're there in your schools. People just don't want to speak up. For obvious reasons. Absolutely. And that gets us into a whole nother yep. conversation yep. about the structure yep. of school leadership. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Which is also a key thing, right? Correct. That whole lack of strong, strong leadership. And and I think that is really the crux of our whole back and forth around this being rocket science. Because <laughs> you're absolutely right. In situations where the, the leadership is just unwavering and unapologetic and committed and gets it, you are absolutely right. I just find that that is not typically. <laughs> that is not typically, the but it's such a much bigger picture than that it people school leaders that can can lean into that and be that are often supported in their school community with the freedom to be that and it's what is wanted and it's what people are buying into and they have also have strong boards who know that that is what they want in a leader and that is what the community is all about right and people will often do not wish to accept that Independent schools are businesses. Yes. People oh. don't want to name it. No. And without naming it, <laughs> yeah. then we are not allowing ourselves the opportunity to discuss what is really going on and what are some of the deepest motivating factors yes. for what goes on in some of these schools Ooh. and how and why leadership react and choose the battles that they schools do. Schools as a business. Yes. Schools as a business. That's another topic. <laughs> Right. Seriously. Um, yeah, because they're big business. Correct. Um, and when you're in a business, what what keeps the business afloat? Customer satisfaction. Right, right. And, and you're so, into a whole nother conversation of who's the customer. Yes. Right. And so but even to your point, you know, in, in the absence of strong leadership in schools where it is still working, it's because those that leadership is aware enough to empower or listen to someone else who has that strong leadership in the Correct. Area. And just too often, though, there's, I don't want to say that, uh, I don't want to say that. <laughs> um, there's just not that anywhere. You have a vacuum. So, yeah, leadership, lack of strong leadership, lack of unwavering, unapologetic leadership, crucial. 
We touched on it a little bit, but also this whole concept of checking the box. Yeah. So the temporary solutions versus gaining a real understanding of what's possible. Yeah. And the benefits coming out of what's possible when you commit to doing it. Yes. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of people out there making a whole lot of money right now right. being hired for diversity, equity, and inclusion one-offs. Yeah. And you know, I think... Trainings yep. in air quotes. Yeah. I think schools have not fully grasped just how savvy and educated and, and um, obvious it is to assess whether or not something is genuine or if it's just checking the box. And I think just so many times that bites schools, you know, where it hurts. And unfortunately, it's often not even that difficult. I mean, you know, you, you've checked the box and you have the affinity program, but peel it back a little bit more. What's the affinity program really doing? <laughs> right? That's what I said, bird's eye view. Yeah. You can't just do a training, a one-off, a two-day, a three-day. It really has to be a bird's-eye view of taking a look at policies, practices, curriculum, and talking to the different constituencies. And on an ongoing basis. And I think that is the biggest mistake and why stuff that it may have be started off as very genuine, but it turns into just checking the box because that that follow up that follow through that feedback and that opportunity to say okay this is great but we can do better does not happen enough better different right other right and instead we're just happy with having done whatever and not always happy with having done well i think i think that's how it becomes the checking the box like it just becomes something that we've done yeah but when's the last time you really looked at having done it and is it effective is it helping you is it achieving goals? I, I don't know. I'm just a big fan of constantly asking questions. And I think this is especially an important time to remember, like, it is, this is not a quick fix. There's no checking the box anymore. It's check the box and then what? Check the box and then reevaluate. Check the box and then circle back in six months. There is no checking the box. Well, That's check the, the box point. in terms of, like, you know, having... Taking the action to do X, Y, or Z. Good for you. You've done that. Is it enough? That's my thing. It's the next level of having done something. And that's what I'm trying to say. I don't think that in a properly reflective community of any kind, in particular a school, that you do have opportunity to check boxes because that, to me, means it's done. It's taken care of. Right. We're saying the same thing. I just feel like schools too often do that. Where this is concerned, right? They they hire the DEI person. Okay, great. You've got a DEI person. What are they doing? Right. <laughs> right? So that's, I mean, I think we're saying the same thing. Right. And what we're also saying is that schools need to move beyond the mentality of trying to check the box and move oh, well, and I don't, shift. I don't think they would remotely say they're checking the box. That's just me. They, I don't think they would say that at all. Oh, I think there's plenty of schools out there that would Who say would... they're checking the boxes. Really? We have affinity groups. Check. Are they doing regular check-ins? Are they structured properly? Are they meeting the developmental needs of the kids? you think they would the consciously kids? admit, like, consciously say that? Absolutely. Oh, I don't think so. I think they... I think that schools that aren't fully vested 
right? Mm -hmm. Get whatever current list is out there. Mm -hmm. Affinity groups, check. Mm -hmm. Parent education on said topics, check. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Whatever else is on the list, Mm -hmm. absolutely. I think that I think that you wouldn't be so hard pressed to speak to school leadership in certain schools right now who would, in response to how are you going to meet the needs of the diverse members of your population, would read their checklist off to you. Right, right. Yes, yes. But I'm just, uh, yes. Okay. So here's my question. You're a parent in a school. Yes. And you have the sense that that's what's happening. What do you do? How do you help your school understand that that's what they're doing? And that's how it's being understood and why that is so detrimental to actually genuinely grasping it. It touches Do you on, post on Black Hat? <laughs> no, it, it touches on what Janine was talking about last week and what we will talk about in our next episode. Show up. Ooh. Show up. Show up. And so don't show, show up. up. Parents. Don't, you know, one of the things that we tell teachers in our schools as administrators is don't communicate with a family for the first time with bad news. Right. You should have already yes. established yep. that you see their child, that you understand their child. Yep. And should bad news need to be delivered, you've already established that relationship. Yep. So families and parents have an obligation to show up. Yep. And establish themselves as invested members of a community. Yeah. So that when things pop up, where difficult feedback needs to come into play, they've established the foundation necessary to be heard, seen, and to be given the respect to engage in that dialogue necessary for the change. Yep. That was key. Parent engagement. So crucial. We'll talk about that more next Next time. The last the last point I want to um, just quickly discuss is the cultural assessment around readiness, right? Change is a spectrum. Change management is a spectrum, right? I mean, you could change your mission and change your entire school if you really wanted to tomorrow, right? Completely new board, completely new, whatever. Like, to what degree are you willing to sacrifice something? For change. And I think that's a conversation that schools don't proactively have. And so when you have people working on this issue in particular, you've got people around a room who are assessing it from very different lenses around the amount of change that needs to happen and what that's going to require. And we also have to give grace. Yeah. All of, man, there's so much change that needs to be, that needs to happen currently. Right. I just and think so it's we key need to, to talk give, about it. Amen. Yeah. We need to give grace on that. And allow for people, institutions, Mm -hmm. and especially schools to say, we see you, we hear you, and based on our school community, we're going to prioritize this. We can't get to it all. We're going to make mistakes. We welcome your feedback. Right. But this is what we can commit to doing with our time, energy, and resources. And we need to be willing to say okay to that because yeah. I much prefer for someone or something to communicate what they are capable of yeah. rather than over-promising yes. and under-delivering. I just, I think at the, you know, 
leadership, leadership, leadership. I think leadership and boards are not having that, just that, that practical conversation, right? In terms of what, to what degree, what are we willing to give up? Because you're going to have to change something. But I also think it is really important for the community to establish a foundation of safety and acceptance of the fact that you don't have to accomplish it all, right. all at once. So while as while leaders and boards and all that need to be discussing it and prioritizing mm-hmm. and all of that, school communities need to come together to say it doesn't all have to be done in a day and we're here to support yeah. what you prioritize. Yeah. Because I think a lot of leaders are working under the pressure of right. feeling like the expectation from the community is they need right. to solve it all yes. and all right now. Or or the whole feeling from a leadership perspective of you're setting me up to fail, right? Because this is that behemoth of an issue. And it is not, I don't think that is any parent's perspective. And they, as human beings, a lot of us, when we think that when we're overwhelmed or think we're being set up to fail, naturally go to the, then I won't try it all. Right. And that is not the answer. That is not the answer. <laughs> and that is some of what we're seeing. Yeah. Yep. No, it's a lot of what we're seeing, I think. Um, yeah. It's just so, you know, the, I think the name, the continuum of all of these things is communication. Honest communication. Honest, transparent, frequent communication. And assessment. And assessment. Well, of course, yeah, that's, yeah. But I don't think the communication piece is, you know, just, yeah. We're, we're, we're all, maybe that's another topic. We got a lot of topics. Indeed. But next week again, we're going to talk about showing up. Yes. What that looks like, why it's crucial to our overall experience, how it can happen. We're going to have a few guests with us from some schools who have some parents who are showing up and making a difference in Wonderful ways. And uh, And showing up in wonderful ways. Also showing up and receiving pushback. Absolutely. In some not so wonderful ways. I'm just saying. It's not just going to be a love fest. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. We're also going to talk about Mm -hmm. how to counter. Absolutely. When you are getting resistance from the institution that you're trying to show up for. And it's all important. Can't happen if you're not showing up. Correct. Yep. So show up next week. <laughs> show up next week. <laughs> we thank you for showing up this week and thank joining you, us you. for Erased. Excellent. Follow us, please, on Erased Podcast on IG, erasedpodcast.com. And thank Erased you. spelled with the C. Erased. That's E-R-A-C-E. the only way now. My autocorrect doesn't even change it anymore because... This is all that matters. Thank you again for joining us and helping to create a world when we will no longer be erased. erased.